Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain, mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, medium. What a beautiful testimony that we heard this morning of what God is doing around the world, Indonesia. And uh, yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm looking, the people is not usually seated where I usually see. I will, certainly will miss my beautiful wife, my helper, my translator, my corrector, and my everything here beside me, since she's always helping me while I am preaching. So you can scream, darling. <laughs> Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you with hopeful hearts at the start of this Advent season. Be with us on this journey as we celebrate the birth of your Son. And may your word deepen our understanding and your will inspire us to persevere, trusting in your promises. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I will do the same that Natalie is doing, since I used to talk a lot. As we begin the Advent season, some of, some of us may have heavy hearts due to difficult circumstances we may find ourselves in. The world is infested, I like that word, infested with conflict. However, the words of Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 to 5 offer us a message of hope that is more relevant now than ever. And despite the turmoil and chaos, hope, hope remains for a brighter future. So, imagine Isaiah, the prophet, standing in the midst of the ruins of a once mighty kingdom. The kingdom of the north of Israel has been destroyed by the violent Assyrian army. And now the southern kingdom of Judah is also facing the same fate. Even Isaiah can feel the heaviness of the impending destruction that surrounds him. However, it is in this desolation, 
It is in this desolation that God gave a vision of hope to Isaiah. So let's talk a little bit about this vision that God gave to Isaiah. If you go with me to your Bibles in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1, notice how this vision starts. Verse 1 says, The word, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. I will not enter into details, but notice that it says the word that Isaiah saw. I will leave it to you to think about that. But let's move on. During these challenging and difficult times of Isaiah, a vision of hope was given as a gift and as a promise from God. Isaiah didn't seek or pray for hope. He was not looking an answer from God. It was God's idea to bring hope to the situation. It was God's idea to bring this vision of hope to Isaiah. And this is an excellent example of how God works Always, he is always initiating his redemptive plan of hope for humanity. What I'm trying to say is that God is attentive. He is observing. He knows the situation that we are facing right now in this world. He initiated this vision of hope. So this vision was not only for Isaiah's time, but for all of us as well. This vision of hope goes beyond time, reaching out across generations to assure us that God is the one who initiates a plan to bring hope to the world. It is God. In times, in circumstances, in situations full of chaos and uncertainty, Isaiah's vision is like a warm hug that reminds us that our hope is not in human frailty, but in the promises of God who is interested in us. What a beautiful vision of hope. But there, there is more to this vision. Notice in verses 2 and 3. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 continues saying, It shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain, mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. In verse 3, And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, 
that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah had a prophetic vision of a mountain where the Lord's presence stood high above the hills. The image is a powerful representation of God's supremacy above everything else. Psalm, 60, Psalm 89 verse 6 says, for who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? In ancient times, mountains were believed to be the dwelling places of the gods. For example, people used to worship their gods on high places. And Mount Olympus was believed to be the home of gods like Jupiter or Zeus. So the image of the mountain of the Lord's presence carries great significance through all the scriptures. And it is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It is fulfilled in the person and on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself personifies this mountain as a place of worship. For instance, notice this. The Sermon of the Mountain was on a mountain. Jesus' transfiguration was on a high mountain. And when he was commissioning his disciples before ascending to heaven, he also did it on a mountain. So in the biblical language, the mountain that Isaiah is talking about becomes more than a geographical feature. It becomes a symbol of spiritual authority, a place where heaven and earth converge in one person. And this person is Jesus. And as we turn our attention and compare Isaiah's vision with Matthew 28, we witness a remarkable connection. The spiritual fulfillment of Isaiah's mountain in the words of our Lord and Savior. In Matthew 28, we find Jesus standing on a mountain with his disciples. And verse 17, Matthew 28, 17 says that when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worship him. Do you notice what is happening here? When they saw Jesus, they worship him. And then later in verse 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is not a mere coincidence. It's a deliberate echo of Isaiah's vision. In Isaiah, the mountain were a place, was a place where God's presence dwelt. And now that very presence of God is embodied in the person of Jesus. Do you remember what Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3 says? This mountain will be established as the highest of the mountains and is lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to him. That's what Isaiah is saying. But what we are seeing in Matthew 28 is that Jesus is the highest of the mountains. He is the one lifted above everything else. He is the place where the presence of God dwells in its fullness. And it is in this mountain where Christ commissioned his disciples. A commission that echoes Isaiah's call to teach God's way. Verse 3 says in Isaiah chapter 2, Come, let us go up to the mountain, mountain of the Lord, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk. In his path. Similarly, in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus commands his followers to go and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. And out of Zion. Shall come salvation. From the Lord of Jerusalem. And this is Matthew saying the same thing. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And says. Commanded you teaching them. Therefore, the fulfillment of Isaiah mountain is not confined to a specific geographical location, but is manifested in the global proclamation of the teachings of Jesus. But this vision doesn't stop there. When Isaiah speaks of all nations flowing to the mountain, it resonates with Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 14 and 16. In verse, 16, in verse 14, Jesus compares his disciples to a city on a hill. So Jesus is the high mountain where the presence of God 
dwells. But then Jesus is saying to his disciples that we, his disciples, are like a city on a, on a hill. Consider this. When Christ commissioned his disciples on the mountain in Matthew 28, he declared that the mountain represents his authority and supremacy. And now it is it is delegated to his disciples to share, to share this message of hope. We are like a city on a hill, a lighthouse of hope and truth that can be hidden. As Isaiah envisioned people streaming to the mountain to learn God's ways, Jesus empowered us through the Great Commission to be carriers of a divine light and hope, guiding all nations to God. So you see how this vision in Isaiah 2 is connected to Jesus and is connected to all of us. And all started with God. So uh, in the light of this vision, let us understand our role as disciples of Christ we stand on the mountain, not just as spectators of God's glory, but, but as ambassadors commissioned to carry the message of hope, to teach his ways and to illuminate the world with the radiance of Christ. As we follow this command in Matthew 28, we fulfill the prophetic vision of Isaiah, a vision where the mountain of the Lord becomes a beacon of hope for all nations. But the vision of hope does not end there. If you go with me to the last two verses of our reading this morning, verse 4 and 5 says, he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples and they shall be their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. No more military training. And verse 5 says, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of our Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, as we reflect upon the hopeful vision seen by Isaiah, let us acknowledge that this vision includes both a magnificent fulfillment in the first coming of Jesus, and there is as well a beautiful promise that is yet to be realized in the second 
coming of Jesus. This vision of hope has a second part, has a second act. This vision has a continuation that is waiting to be, to be unveiled. Though we may still witness conflicts, injustice, and struggles today, let us not lose sight of the fact that God's promise remains steadfast and true. A promise that is reserved for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, in his first coming, broke the wall of hostility between God and us. That is where our hope started. We are currently in a crucial time where the message of hope needs to be spread to every corner of the world. Once this task is accomplished, according to Jesus, he told us that he will return for a second time. This time, things will be different. Instead of being a suffering servant, we'll have a triumphant king. And he will bring a new era of peace like never before. Now envision this time. Envision this time in the future where the second coming of Jesus becomes a living reality. When we are going to cash the credit, the gift card that he has given us for us. Picture a world where the instruments of war take on a new purpose. Shifting from tools of destruction to tools for farming and gardening. Can you see that? Can you rejoice on that gift that you have already received? You have it in your pocket. And the fulfillment is coming. Isaiah's colorful, colorful vision predicts a future reality that has not happened yet, but is going to happen. When Christ came the first time, it marked the start of a new era of hope. His second coming is expected to bring about the complete fulfillment of the vision that Isaiah so, in chapter 2. So, in the midst of all the chaos and conflict around us, we are not just here to sit back and watch. No, no, no. The beauty of this gift card is that if you give it, you will not lose it. 
we are meant to actively live in the light of God's hope. It's not a distant light. It's a light that shines within us. It's a gift that shines within us and we need to share it. When we share it, we give testimony that we have this hope. It is when you share it that you realize that in sharing, you are proclaiming the hope that you already have. And as we walk in the light of this hope, let's make sure our lives reflect God's vision of hope. What about if we start changing our devices of war into instruments of peace, instruments of gardening to, to, to bring hope beautifully in this world. You have the hope. We want everybody to hear the gospel and know that in Christ, sores will be turned into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Just like Isaiah said. This is such a beautiful and hopeful reality. And we can be sure, my dear friends, we can be sure that God will keep his promises. Let us pray. Father, Thank you for the timeless message of hope we find in the vision you gave to Isaiah. May the revelation of your promise dwell in our hearts, inspiring us to be ambassadors of hope. In the anticipation of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, empower us to live in the light of your hope actively and to share the transformative power of your promises with a world that is in need. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And now...